There's always certain memories that just kind of stand out from your childhood, aren't there? The good ones to me are almost bathed in this golden light that can still fill your heart with childlike wonder. And then there's the other memories. Those ones come with a red flag warning. As if to say, do you really want to go here? Hi, I'm Lizzie Oakes, and three memories immediately come to mind from my 1970s childhood. The first when I was four, and my dad was packing his bags to leave home. I couldn't understand what he meant when he said he wasn't coming back. The second, I was eight, and I won every running race in the school athletics day. Dad came to watch. Come on, Lizzie, you got this, girl! Go on, go on, go on, you've got this! Lizzie, yes, go, go, go! And yes, that was a golden light moment. And then there's what took place on the 28th of November 1979 when I was 10 years old. On the 28th of November 1979, an Air New Zealand sightseeing flight TE-901 crashed into the side of Mount Erebus in Antarctica. All 257 passengers and crew on board were instantly killed. At the time here in New Zealand, it seemed like everyone knew someone connected to the tragedy. I knew someone too. Over the years, we've heard a lot of stories about Erebus, the cover-up, the court case, the controversy. But here's some stories you might not know. Hi, I'm Lizzie Oakes, and when I was 10, I lost my nan, Muriel Florence Rose Harrison, to Erebus. 40 years later, I'm a broadcaster, and on this podcast, Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts, I'm speaking with others whose lives have been impacted by the disaster. Episode 1. New Zealand, 1979. Up to the 28th of November, 1979 had been a pretty good year for me. I was in Standard 4, that's Year 6, of Browns Bay Primary School in Auckland's North Shore. I had loads of friends, I played netball, did tap dancing. I constantly got told off by my teachers for talking. Elizabeth! My favourite song was Super Tramp's Breakfast in America. I still don't know what kippers are. I lived with my mum, Patricia. She was an accounts assistant and a very practical and onto it lady. We lived in a three bedroom wooden home with a section full of fruit trees. My big brother Mark was at sea, the Merchant Navy, and my big sister Carolyn was in London on her OE. That's an overseas experience if you're not a Kiwi. The Rubik's Cube had just come out and I emptied my bank account to get one. I only ever managed to complete two sides of the stupid thing. Cost me ten bucks. And now, many decades later, my teenage son is a wizard at... I still can't do it. Friday nights were my favourite night of the week. Mum would make homemade burgers and we'd watch Happy Days and Jukes of Hazard on TV. TV was pretty limited back then for kids. There was no such thing as going to the video shop or hiring a DVD. And the internet hadn't been invented yet. And in my family, going to the movies was a massive treat. But every now and then, a TV experience would come along that would grip the entire nation. We all got behind it, and we loved it. Telethon. Telethon was a 24-hour live television program aimed at raising money from viewers to give to charities. At Browns Bay Primary School, We were obsessed by it. 
each telephone, we'd run stalls, sell comics and homemade fudge and coconut ice. And we'd always raise a really decent amount of money. I feel like it was like five or six thousand dollars. That was a lot of money in 1979. It was fun and we were so proud. In 1979, our singing teacher wrote a song for Telethon, and there was a group of us who got to go and sing it on live TV. We were on Telethon, straight after Tina Cross. The song was called Don't Say No to Tomorrow. I never saw the TV footage, but boy, would I love to. I still remember it. In an attempt to save on petrol consumption, carless days were introduced. Basically, you chose a day of the week that you wouldn't drive your car. Mum's was Thursday, so she had this pink sticker on her car windscreen that said, Thursday, kind of like when you attach your warrant of fitness. If it sounds like a dumb idea, that's because it was. Carless days were shelved the following year. Rob Muldoon was the Prime Minister, and as a 10-year-old, I thought it was really funny that people called him Piggy Muldoon. He had a family batch. That's a holiday home, just north of Auckland at Hatfields Beach. When we drove through there in the summertime, I'd strain my eyes and my neck from the back seat, trying to spot him. Sometime later, I saw a photo on the front page of the New Zealand Herald, our national newspaper, of the Prime Minister sitting outside his holiday home with his wife. It was just this small, basic, fibre-light batch. It wasn't what I'd imagined and was straining to see. But on November the 28th, 1979, I was at running club with my dad. Dad drove me home and I noticed a visitor's car in the driveway. We didn't really have visitors in the middle of the week, so I thought it was a bit strange. We went into the house, and Mum and her best friend were both sitting quietly, listening to the radio. It was so out of character, and I said, What's Mrs Greville doing here? Mum just brushed me off, saying, Can't I have a friend over if I want? I realise now, she'd heard the news the plane was missing. She was waiting for an update. She didn't want to worry me. I went to bed and around midnight I was woken by the sound of a voice reading my nan's name over the phone. Muriel Florence Rose Harrison. I leapt out of bed. The house was swarming with more of mum's friends. Oh, my throat felt tight and my heart was suddenly gripped with fear and I yelled, Mum! She appeared, looking tired and anxious, still trying to put on a brave face. It was then that she told me Nan's plane was missing. They say at the time of the accident that everyone knew someone who was connected to the tragedy. It's no exaggeration. My entire life, whenever I've happened to mention Erebus to anyone who remembers it, I often get the same response. The eyes widen, the jaw drops, and then they tell me their Erebus stories. Like Peter Gilderdale, a Kiwi in transit in London. I was in the airport in London um, when we saw newspaper headlines that a New Zealand flight was missing. I was on the way to Egypt where I was going uh, to be on a dig. Um, We then flew off and didn't hear anything for over a month 
about this. Uh, and it wasn't until uh, some letters came through for one of my colleagues, Shirley Tim, uh, and uh, she discovered that she had, I think, two or three friends who'd uh, died on the plane. Uh, but we were completely cut off from all of that for for all that time. And then we had to deal with, with that loss in Egypt, uh, you know, on our own for another month. Or Claire McAvan, who lost a workmate. I'll never forget the day I was working in a solicitor's office at the time on the North Shore. And many people were affected that day in that office because... One of the solicitors, one of the partners of the firm, had been given a gift by his wife to go and visit the the Arctic. It was a birthday present, and that was the event where he lost his life. And there were a lot of tears in that office that day because Don Stewart was a good man. She also lost a favourite teacher. Very sad when I found a couple of days later that my beloved French teacher, Miss Price, was also killed. She was a bright and a bold personality. She taught French at Westlake Girls High School for a number of years and was well known. And I really excelled under her tuition. She was a tall and lean person with a purposeful stride. And she was a mountaineer. And every holidays, she'd come back and regale her students with wonderful stories of which mountain and where that she had conquered. In fact, lots of people over the years have told me about their favourite teachers that were on board. My teenage son said to me recently, Mum, why don't they teach us about Erebus at school? I don't know. Maybe they do teach it in some schools. Maybe... We'll teach it more with the compulsory New Zealand history curriculum that's on the way. So if you don't know what Erebus is, here's a very brief overview. So on the 28th of November 1979, an Air New Zealand sightseeing trip left Auckland heading for Antarctica. It was to be an 11-hour return flight, but just after midday, the plane crashed into the lower slopes of Mount Erebus in Antarctica, in broad daylight. All 257 passengers and crew were instantly killed. At the time, it was the world's fourth largest air crash, and it remains New Zealand's largest peacetime disaster. Initially, there was an investigation by Ron Chippendale, who blamed the pilots. After that came the Royal Commission of Inquiry, led by Justice Peter Mann, who found Air New Zealand responsible. The Privy Council upheld Mann's report, but he got in trouble for saying Air New Zealand had orchestrated a litany of lies without giving Air New Zealand the right of reply. Justice Mann subsequently resigned. A few years ago, there was an Air New Zealand safety video filmed in Antarctica. Well, that video triggered so many of us who had lost family members in Erebus. And after 40 years, finally, a national memorial is on its way. Although, even the memorial is having its own controversy. So Erebus is complicated, but this podcast isn't complicated. On Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts, I'm focusing on telling the stories of the loved ones who were left behind. I'll be speaking with members of my family and other families 
people who lost passengers and those who lost crew. Some people with public profiles, others without. All their stories are valid. Back in New Zealand in 1979, I don't remember anyone talking to me about how my nan died and asking me how I was. It seems in talking with other Erebus families, that's how it was for a lot of us. You just got on with it. Not because people were cold and heartless, but because we didn't know how. We didn't have the language. Victim support hadn't been invented. And how exactly are you supposed to process your own private grief in a public tragedy? But now, 40 years later, my hope for this podcast is that Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts is a safe space with no judgment for people to be heard. To me, it's like a time capsule. So when we're no longer here, our memories of our loved ones will remain. Thanks for listening to this episode of Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts. I'm Lizzie Oakes. Thanks to Scott Gillen, my audio engineer, and Rima Media for their support. In the next episode, I'll be talking with Mark Head about his Erebus journey of forgiveness. To subscribe, go to Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts on iTunes, Spotify, or erebusengravedonourhearts.com.